course. The Easter buggy is real. The Easter buggy is real. And if you've been around Lake Hills Church, I don't know, for two days or two weeks, you know that we love to celebrate holidays. We celebrate big around here. And Easter is in just four weeks. Everybody say four four weeks. Four weeks. And so we take it, you know, we take it seriously around here. (laughs) Because as we sang earlier, we believe in the crucifixion and we believe in the resurrection. And that good news is just too good to keep to ourselves. So we are all about celebrating Easter and inviting our neighbors and friends and co-workers to celebrate with us. So four weeks means that starting right now, it is a full court press to invite our friends, our family, co-workers, people you work out with, whatever, to be a part of the celebration of Easter here in Lake Hills Church. Now, let me give you some insight into when our service times are. We will begin celebrating Easter on Good Friday at 7 p.m. Everybody say 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Now, on Sunday, we will have three services. Now, this is strictly for an informational moment for you. 9 o'clock, 10.15, and 11.45 on Sunday. I've told you that so that you know when to invite your friends to come because everybody who is here today has just agreed to come to Friday night at 7 p.m. Thank you so much for being that kind of a church. We say, why are we doing Saturday Friday at 7 o'clock? That's when Christians celebrate Easter. If you're a Christ follower, that's when we're going to celebrate Easter on Friday night so that we who are the church family can serve two services on Easter Sunday morning. If you have to come on Sunday morning, if you have to come on Sunday morning, I'm asking you to please come to that third one because the first two are where so many of our guests and neighbors will be there. And we actually have three different ways for you to help us get the word out, for you to help to invite. Our goal for the next four weeks is to egg ATX. Egg ATX in a positive way. The first way is these wonderful egg invites. They are shaped like an egg. How clever. How clever is that? An easy way for you to buy I feel like Vanna White kind of. Yeah, that's good, honey. There. And get the, take a bunch of them. Invite your neighbors. Invite your friends. Invite your co-workers. It's so easy. And when I check out the grocery store, here's my sentence. I say the same thing every time. Thanks so much. I don't know if you have a church home, but if you don't, we'd love for you to celebrate Easter with us. I'll be there. That's right. And if I do it, and then five ladies behind me, she says the same thing. And then later on in the day, somebody else invites her. By golly, she has no choice but to come <laughs> to church on Easter at LAC on Easter Sunday. She would be a visitor, so she could yes, come on Sunday. She can come on Sunday. And then our second, first way, two services. our second way are these fabulous t-shirts, okay? You know you want one. Don't worry. We have some for you. Clearly, we have them in double XL to fit around you broad-shouldered men like myself. So this is what we're asking you to do. Maybe you're not comfortable passing out invites and saying those words to somebody. But everybody in here has to wear a shirt. It's not okay to go anywhere shirtless. And so what I want you to do. Words to live by. Yeah, everybody needs to wear a shirt at all times. We just have the perfect one for you to wear. And so they're out here. They're available in all sizes. Your kids can wear them too. Here's the deal. If I see one in Target, I think, well, that's interesting, Egg ATX. I come down the next row as I'm getting my cleaning supplies, and I see another one, and now I'm a little more curious. And then I'm at the ballpark on Saturday, and I see three more 
shirts. Well, by golly, I am going to LHC on Easter Sunday. By golly. Because, yeah, by golly. Because here's the deal. People want a home. Yeah. They want a place to belong. They want a family. What we're doing is providing some tools for you to invite them into our church. Family. That's what the Easter buggy is all about. You'll see the Easter buggy around town. That is an opportunity to hand out invitation cards. People will see that VW bug, the Easter buggy. And they'll be like, what's that all about? We're going to be handing out invitations. So look for that around town as you're driving around. Get your picture taken with it. Post it on social media and all those kind of cool That's things. That's the third thing. Use your social media. Social media gets a bad rap. It's Let's free. flip it over and it's use it for good. And so you get your invites, get your T-shirt, and use that social media. It's too important to keep to ourselves. You see, Target is already celebrating. They started on February 15th. The AGB has been celebrating, selling Easter candy. The world knows Easter is coming. Most of them just don't know why they're celebrating. And so we want to give them an opportunity, invite them in to learn why Easter is such a big deal. We believe in the resurrection because the resurrection means new life. And that is what they will hear if you invite them to Easter services at LHC. Ladies and gentlemen, Julie Richard, give it a well done, love. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Hey, real quick, who needs a t-shirt? Let me see a show of hands. This one's going down to the lower section because they were on time this morning. Who's up there? Check out that arm. It was a pass. Thank you for the assist over there. Lobbed it a little too far. I was used to having that that gun, that t-shirt gun that we have sometimes. I like that more better. Anyway, I digress. How are you this morning? Good. Hey, will you join me? Let's thank our students who have led us so incredibly well this morning. Unbelievable job. Unbelievable. And I'm going to single out some folks also who have done an incredible job for helping prepare them and equip them. Wesley Lunsford, our Director of Worship Ministries. Dan Underhill, our student pastor. They have done a phenomenal yeoman's job of getting them ready. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really, really sincere. I'm, I'm so excited about the next generation and where God is leading them and where they already have come so far. I'm telling you, those of us who are beyond high school, we better pick up our game because they're coming hard. And uh, they, are, they are setting a great, great example and a great pace for us around here. Well, it is the season of Easter. Springtime is coming, although you can't really tell it this morning. We know by the calendar that it's March and and Easter's on the way, and I get excited this time of year anyway because it's Easter, and that's kind of like our Super Bowl is the church. Uh, but I also start to get a little bit twitchy for a different reason. Say twitchy. twitchy. Twitchy is a good thing. I get a little bit twitchy because springtime is when my mind kind of starts thinking about an annual pilgrimage that I like to take, and most of the time I'm able to, not always, but I love to go down to South Florida and throw little bitty flies at great big fish. I'm talking about the elusive king tarpon. How many of you have ever seen or caught a tarpon in the wild? Let me see a show of hands if you've ever seen a tarpon. You know what I'm talking about? Spiritual leaders everywhere around throughout this church. Now the tarpon is a phenomenal game fish. It's unbelievable. If you've ever seen them, they swim 
very placidly. They can be huge. I mean, they can be, you know, little baby juveniles back in the mangroves out to ocean going triple digit, 100, 150, 200 pound fish. And you see them coming in these shallow waters and they just look like very slow moving torpedoes gliding through the water. But when you hook one, it's like all of a sudden you have hooked a school bus that is now going 70 miles an hour, creating craters in the water that had been flat and placid just moments before. And in the Keys of South Florida, there is a very select group of fishing guides who have been guiding fly fishermen for years and years and years, and they have carved out a very elite niche for themselves. And most of them kind of have a specialty that they like to really invest in. Some of them go out in the back on the Gulf side of the Keys, and they go back and find laid up fish. Others of them like to get out on the ocean side of Isla Morada and find fish as they're migrating up and down the beach line. But there's one particular spot in the Keys of South Florida that a very, very small group of this very elite guide system have kind of cornered the market on. It's known as the bowling alley. Now, it's the bowling alley because it can be very rough and very choppy, but at certain times when the conditions are just right, when you can't find fish anywhere else in the Florida Keys, the bowling alley will have tarpon pouring through it. And you would think, man, that's where everybody would go. But in reality, this very small group of guides has cornered the market. And because most of them are really jacked, I mean, big dudes, they have threatened physical violence against people who try to go fish the bowling alley when they want to be fishing it. And it's not something that I would endorse as a pastor, but it's just a reality of life in the Keys. And they've been known to take a push pole off of their flats boat and start to swing it at other boats and other anglers to keep them off of this spot that's known as the bowling alley. It's very exclusive. They're very, very territorial. Now, you may have never fished the Keys of South Florida, but we all understand the bowling alley principle. If you've ever sat in a middle school or high school cafeteria and looked longingly at the cool kids table and wondered what it was like to eat over there, or if you've ever thought, man, what would it be like to one day arrive and sit in the corner office to, to be in the C-suite of business. What would it be like? And it feels so far out there. It's so exclusive, so territorial are the people who are up there that we all understand that principle. We know what that looks like. And yet it's against that backdrop that Jesus Christ says, may it never be. May there never be any part of this world that he is in the process of renewing and redeeming that is territorial, that is exclusive, may especially the church be the exact polar opposite of the bowling alley. May the church rather, instead of being exclusive or people within the church being territorial, may they be open, may they be welcoming people into it as though they were welcoming them into a family. This is what Jesus means as we look at his invitation to come and get it. We started this series last week and we said that it is the joy of the God first life. And within that is this amazing invitation to be a part of the family of faith. Now, lest you think that I just kind of made this up to fit within this come and get it backyard barbecue motif, check out the exact words of Jesus himself in John chapter 14. In John 14, the Bible says, Jesus said, anyone, say anyone, anyone. 
Tell your neighbor right now, that even means you. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. We'll make our home with them. That's the picture that Jesus paints of what it means to be a part of the family of faith. Love, could I ask you to throw me a little bottle of water there? I had too many Marlboros this morning. I'm teasing. They were cigars. Not really. But that's, I wonder if we have any in this cooler here. No. But that's what Jesus is getting at when he says, I invite you to come and get it, to be a part of the family of faith. Now, real quickly, I want to say this, that that our, our online audience or listening later on on our podcast will not necessarily connect to. But you who are here in the house this morning, I want to make sure that you understand you get extra credit for being in church today. Time change Sunday, student takeover Sunday, and it was raining and cold. I almost didn't come to church this morning. Give yourselves a round of applause for being here today. That's a big deal. <clears throat> but you know, around here, we, we think it's a big deal every time we get together. Every time we get to assemble to worship, we get to assemble to go to God's word. And particularly as we look at what Jesus says when he says we will make God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit will make their home with us. They're, they're, something about that is an invitation to a place to call home. Now, we all know that not every home is completely healthy and functional. And as a matter of fact, I've said for years, I don't believe in such a thing as a dysfunctional family because that implies that somewhere there's a functional family. Every family is dysfunctional to a certain degree, some more than others. But we all are trying. I think we all instinctively and intuitively understand that desire for a place to call home. And so In the time that we've got left this morning, I want to just mention to you four things about home that God connects from our families of origin and what he designed and what he desires to what he has designed and desires for the church to be, that family of faith. The first thing is this, that home is where your family, home is where your family. Now, family doesn't necessarily have to be just flesh and blood, although that's a part of it, but Family can be those people that you really connect with. Julie and I have got a long list of kids that our, our kids, Emily and Joseph, that we are biologically connected to, grew up with. And they're welcome in our home. They're a part of our family. So much so that we kind of incorporated them into the whole ecosystem of the Richard household. They knew when they were in middle school that if, if one of the boys was kind of, you know, usually one of the guys, but if one of the guys was kind of trying out some, some language that was maybe inappropriate, kind of was crossing the line a little bit, and if Mr. and Mrs. Richard got wind of it, they were going to run a stop sign. We've got a stop sign that's about 200 yards from our house. And so if we heard something inappropriate or about something that was inappropriate, we'd go, oh, I'm sorry, you were stupid, stop sign. And we would make them run a stop sign. They'd come back. So it got to be such that the other kids were now a part of our ecosystem. They're like, Mr. Richard, Billy said blah, blah, blah. Make him run a stop sign. And they would come to us and go, Billy, sorry, you said blah, blah, blah. Go run a stop sign. And it just kind of became a part 
of our family system. And whether they were part of our biological family or not, they were now part of our family. And especially if Julie asked them to do something, if there was any hesitation, if Julie said, hey, I need y'all to clean up because you're getting ready to go to crash, they were like, oh, man, can we play? Oh, sorry, that's two stop signs. You don't ever cross mama. So stop signs back and forth. But they were a part of our family. Home is where your family. Now, how many of you are parents in the house? You're a mom or a dad. Okay, listen, how many of you who are parents, us who are parents, know that sometimes you can forget that your kids are a blessing. Can I just say a show? If you sometimes you forget that, it's, it's not that you don't love them, but, you, but sometimes you forget and you just kind of like you see them do something or you hear them do something that's just really dumb, and you're just like, "Come here." Yeah, have you ever had that moment? It's just like, "Where did you come from?" You you know that feeling, and. It doesn't matter how old your kids are. That's just kind of sometimes it's in the water as a parent. But there's a very special parent-child relationship, particularly when a parent has adopted a child. When a parent has chosen to go through the waters of adoption and go to the trouble and the process and the expense of adopting a child, there's something in that relationship that is just special. There's something very unique about it. As a matter of fact, during biblical days, if a parent had a biological child that was wayward or dishonored the family, that child could be disowned. During biblical days, that child, a biological child could be disowned. You could say, hey, well, you've blown it. See, it wouldn't want to be it. Good luck. Right if you get work, take care. But in the biblical days, if you adopted a child, that was a child that could never be disowned. That was a child that was always going to be a part of your family. And the Bible tells us very clearly that when a person comes to faith in Christ, when they step over the line of faith, they are adopted into the family of faith, meaning God will never disown someone he has adopted. You are there. You are family, period, Lock, stock, and barrel. And because you are family, you are also always a part of that family. Look at what Ephesians 1 says. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure I can't help but think that for somebody here today or maybe watching online, that is a radical concept to think that God receives pleasure from us, that God is pleased to welcome us into his family, to adopt us as his own, never to disown us. And yet that's exactly what the Bible says. So home is where your family, number one. But because your family, number two, home is also where you're safe. Home is where you are safe. Now, again, we know that not every home is a safe place. And yet we also know that that is exactly God's design and his desire for the home, that it would be safe, that husbands and wives would be safe with each other, that Children would be safe with their parents and with each other. That home would be a safe place. That the church would be a safe place. It's been said, unfortunately, that a lot of times 
Christians, the army of Christ is the only army that shoots its own wounded. Isn't that the truth? And I think especially in this day with in this age of social media that you and I get to live in, it can be a great blessing. We can use it for good, but it's amazing to me the number of Christians who go online and rip other Christians. It's unbelievable. They say things online they would never say face-to-face. A friend of mine explained it to me this way years ago. He said, online communication and commentary is the equivalent of three alcoholic beverages consumed very quickly, back to back to back. (laughs) I said, what do you mean? He said, well, think about it. People say online stuff they would never say to your face. And so it's like they just chug three beers and then they get online and start typing. He's exactly right. Listen. Remember, if you're a part of the family of faith, when you go online, you're still a part of the family of faith. I know that there are some wackadoodle-doo theologies running around out there. There are some people who believe differently than I do. But you know what? It's not my job to rip them. God will take care of truth and error. God will take care of all those things in his timing. He's the judge. We're not. The home is supposed to be a safe place. Check this out in Galatians chapter 6. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. We should do good to everyone. Help a brother out. That's what we should be about, that we should be a safe place, that we should be safe. Now, the first two hallmarks of the family of faith are external. The the responsibility of the family around the individual. The last two are the responsibility of the individual. You see, because we're family, because we're safe, number three, the home is a place where you can be real. The home is a place where you can be real. Home is where you're real. Everybody do this. Now, you're going to add this. Go. Just keeping it real. All right, let's put all those things together, all right? One, two, three. Just keeping it real. That's the deal. It amazes me. It amazes me when people say, I don't go to church because of the hypocrites. Bunch of hypocrites in the church. Bunch of hypocrites. Y'all going hypocrites? I don't like hypocrites. Listen, here's the deal. First of all, always tell them, said, that's okay, we got room for one more. (laughs) And second of all, remember the reality. We're called to live up to a standard that we cannot achieve on our own in this lifetime. It's not going to happen. That doesn't mean we don't keep trying. That doesn't mean that we go, oh, well, sorry, can't make it. Have fun. Party on, Garth. It means... That we continue to strive, we continue to call each other to that higher level, that accountability. But we can be real with each other. We, we can keep it real. That means also we've got to be wise and discerning. You, you've got to be real as the relationship can sustain and withstand. You, you don't walk up to somebody the first time you meet them. It's a church. I'm just keeping it real. My mom put my diapers on too tight. Don't do that. It's very inappropriate. It would put everybody kind of like, oh, I didn't want to know that. Here's what I would tell you. Be authentic with everyone and transparent with a precious few. 
Be authentic with everyone. Be the same person on Sunday that you are on Friday, but choose very carefully those people with whom you are completely transparent. And that's going to vary depending on the degree of trust that you and that other person share. Now, with Julie, my wife, complete transparency, nothing hidden whatsoever, ever. We don't do her money, my money, good luck. No, total transparency. With my closest friends, those men in my life that God's placed in my life that I trust, that I know they love God more than me, I know they've got my best interest at heart, they can look at my computer anytime they want to, check the history, see where I've been, what I've looked at, anytime. Credit card statements, whatever is going on in my life, my relationship with Julie, they've got that kind of carte blanche because we have that level of trust. But that's not something that's open and available to everybody. We're going to be authentic and real always and transparent with a precious few because we are called to be real. Look at what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. The old is gone. I don't have to hide that. Jesus took care of it. When he died on the cross and I chose to believe in him for the forgiveness of my sins, my sins are washed away. The Bible says that God doesn't remember my sins anymore. So who are you to remember them? (laughs) He's removed them as far from me as the east is from the west. So we're just going to keep it real. And number four, home is where you're active. Home is where you are active. You are a participant in the home. Julie and I discovered very early on with both of our children, Emily and Joseph, that they were very, very strong-willed kids. Must have been a recessive gene. And Julie, being the intuitive mom and educated teacher that she is she said you know we need to play a lot of games emily and joseph need to learn how to play games they need to learn how to follow the rules they need to learn how to win well they need to learn how to lose well they need to learn how to disagree with people in a constructive kind of a way and games are a great way to do that and so when they were really little i was kind of like oh all right i'll I'll do it i mean i didn't get home from work every day and go shoots and ladders here we go but you know what when our kids were little i played a boatload of shoots and ladders now as they got older we got to play games that i really like like we play spoons you know the 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 card game where you you throw cards down and there's one spoon less than the number of players in our household that's a contact sport but we did that and i chose to engage in that because in my role as a husband to julie and a father to emily and joseph i was going to be an active participant in the home i wasn't going to be a spectator And in the church, God calls us to be active participants, showing up on Sunday mornings, even on time change Sunday in the rain, ain't the bottom line. It's a great start for a lot of people. Don't misunderstand me. It's a huge step for some people. But if you think that's being an active part of the church, (laughs) that's so cute. It's not. 
To be an active part of the church means that this is the church you pray for. This is the church you attend. This is the church where you serve. This is the church where you tithe. This is the church where your kids are an active part of it. You're engaged. You're active. Check this out what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Tell your neighbor, that means you too. Even you. That was terrible. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. You've got spiritual gifts. The second you stepped into faith in Christ, you were given the Holy Spirit of God and spiritual gifts that your church needs you to exercise. How cool that so many students, middle school, high school students are already discovering their gifts and not only discovering them, but putting them to work. They're using them. I'm telling you, those of us who are out of high school, we better pick up the pace because they're pushing us, and it's a great thing. But you've got gifts. I've got gifts, and we're called to be active. 1 Corinthians goes on. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Now, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Man, just in that one little passage of scripture, we have all been baptized. The assumption is that if you've come to faith in Christ, you've been baptized as a statement of that faith. And by being baptized, you said, I'm in. I'm an active part of the body of Christ. Man. What could we do? What could we do if we mobilized every single Christ follower to be an active part of the body? Not just on Sunday morning, serving and helping and doing those things, yes, but mobilized throughout the week to wear a really cool t-shirt that says Egg ATX. To really and truly pray for our friends and neighbors who don't yet know how much God loves them and invite them on Easter Sunday to discover how much God loves them. To be an active part of the body of Christ everywhere you go and everything you do. Whether you're wearing the shirt or not. How cool would that be? Tom and Robin Hagemeyer are an active part of this particular church. They and their boy, their sons have come up and are coming up through our student ministry. And I want to share with you just a brief description from them of what it means to find a place to call home. Tom and I met, I was uh, about 28 and he was 30. And uh, at the time, we weren't really plugged into any church on our own. But once we got married, we knew that we wanted to get back into the church. Had some friends in Dripping Springs that were going to Lake Hills. And then we went to service one Sunday in the summertime and found the music great and just connected and plugged in and just felt like home right from the very get-go. It was important to us to um, find a church with a thriving youth group that they that we thought that they would be involved in and enjoy and once we got involved in the youth and really started 
knowing people, that's the point for me and I think the rest of us that we felt at home. We felt there were people there for us. There were people feeding into our lives. There were people feeding into my boys' lives and there for them and it just made all the difference in the world when we really got connected in that way. When I was younger, um, did not get in, did not get plugged into our church youth group. Didn't really have one, or just didn't seem to be the cool kids. And they did kind of boring stuff, I thought. So I kind of fell away from the church. Didn't really feel like ever volunteering or serving. And just and then when I did go to church again, just kind of wanted to be in the background. But then coming to Lake Hills and then getting plugged in with the youth group and everybody else, it just made you want to kind of plug in and serve and be a part of the whole process. It was the summer, I think about four years ago, I just reached this point where I thought, you know, we're paying all this money for these guys to go to select sport camps and point guard camp and uh, play select sports and travel and stay in hotels. And I told them at that point, I said, you know what, here's the deal. I'm paying for you guys to go to youth camp. and. They will admit that at first they balked against it because, I mean, it's church camp. How much fun could it be? And I said, well, if you want to go to these other camps, you're going to go to this one because I felt like if I'm spending all this time and money to build you up for other things, why would I not spend this money to build you up spiritually and to give you this experience which you'll have for a lifetime? And it only took one time of getting them to go to youth camp, and I never had to talk them into it again. In fact, every summer, they just build their schedule around it. Basically, it was just all about balance, and you had the sports and all that activity, which was great, but then also it's really important to have good uh, overall leadership and have uh, God and Jesus infused in their lives through fun activities. And to me, it was fun to see the cool stuff that they were doing. Um, so I thought it was just a real blessing to have that kind of opportunity, that much fun, but also a great message and great people that are their peers, where it means more from them, their peers, and probably from I mean, Robin and I saying the same thing. Camps are a great way. Uh, we went to one the summer after our freshman year, after a few months of going there. We didn't know a whole lot of people in youth yet. We'd only been going four or so months, and we met probably half of the students there and that really was kind of a game changer for us in terms of you know being connected to the church because we knew people we'd show up and we'd have you know like 10 or 15 friends there from different schools that we didn't get to see all the time at our school so it was it was a much bigger attraction and a much deeper connection to the whole crash as a whole whenever i go to youth on wednesdays it's always just when i get there i everything i worry about like school basketball it's all just one of those things that kind of just flies out and I never have to even think about it because I know that when I'm with God and all my friends at church, I'll just be relaxed and just brings me in this state where I know everything's okay because I'm with God. And every Wednesday, it just helps me hang out with friends, hang out with the small group leader. He's, he's great and just helps me all the way through. I think going to youth on a weekly basis and making that a priority in high school builds a good foundation for what you do when you graduate and go live on your own in college, you know, wherever that may be. You don't have your parents getting you there or other friends there with you uh, most of the time. It's made it easy to be diligent about going and finding a place to be when you're gone, gone and away at uh, school. And so I've found, you know, a great group of Christians and an organization there that has weekly meetings on Tuesdays and I've found that it's it's always easy to go to that as well and I don't know if it would have been if I had never gone anything in high school. 
And going to a church the size of Lake Hills, I always grew up in these really tiny churches. So everyone knew when you missed, and they would always mention, well, we didn't see you, and we're sorry we didn't see you. And so I think a lot of people can come to a church the size of Lake Hills and and, and maybe even have that relief that they can just, they can come in and they can leave and nobody's going to notice, but they're really missing connecting with people. So the big church starts getting smaller because you're getting involved in smaller and smaller groups and making uh, very meaningful connections with people and those are the people that are going to be there for you and pray for you and be there for your kids. I always pick up Trent after youth and I ask him, what did y'all talk about? And Trent tells me the message and it applies to him but I also learn from Trent. I mean, it's, it's, so it works both ways where the kids and youth can also teach the parents and then bring God closer into their life and back to the mission of Lake Hills Church and so it's just been a great way to really round out the whole experience of getting closer to God and then can't imagine not serving ever in the future because it's just a way to really broaden the base and uh, also selfishly I can learn from others and grow my faith from them. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. If you're here today and you're looking for a home, Jesus has already extended the invitation. He said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands and my Father and I will come and make our home with you. And so I wonder this morning if this isn't your opportunity, your moment to commit your life to Christ. He's already taken the initiative and his invitation deserves a response. If you're here today and you've never stepped over that line of faith, we want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. To pray right where you're sitting. That prayer of faith, that prayer of commitment. Just right where you are talking to God in your own words silently, just something like this. Just say, Jesus, I'm coming home. I need you and I know it. And so right now I confess my sin, all of it. And I claim your forgiveness, all of it. And I give you my life from this moment forward, forever. Jesus, I pray this prayer in your name. I want to ask you just to remain with your heads bowed and your eyes closed because this is holy ground that we're on. And as you consider, I want to ask you if you would to not be moving or stirring for any reason because this is holy ground. But if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it for the first time, then I want to just make sure that you know this is the most important moment of your life. And so it's imperative that you mark this moment, that you stamp it indelibly in your mind and in your heart. 
So if you would, if you just pray that prayer, if you would just quietly but unmistakably raise your hand and hold it up high for just a moment. As you hold your hand up to signify you're coming home today, forever. We want Lake Hills Church to be a church home and a family of faith for you and around you to help you grow in this faith, but also we want to learn from you. And so as a church, we celebrate this moment in your life. As you put your hands down, we like to put our hands together and tell you, welcome home.